last week I um, I talked about defeating the fear of risk and the fear of the unknown. Uh, we talked about what faith is. Faith is a positive response to what God has already done through the finished work of the cross. Faith is not something that we use to try and get God to do things for us, or if we have enough faith that God will finally pour out that miracle or that blessing or that thing that we're hoping for. But faith is a positive response to what Jesus has already done on the, on, on the cross and through his resurrection. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. That we don't have to work a faith system to try and get things that God has promised to us to work in our lives, but that we can walk in faith that's a positive response in what he's already done. And we talked about it last week that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And a lot of times, sometimes in life, we want hope, but we don't, we're not, we don't have a positive response to what God has done. We don't have the faith. And if faith makes up what hope is, well, then you have to be walking in faith before you can have hope, which hope is a confident expectation. And so we talked about this fear of risk and the unknown, that um, one of the paralyzing mountain fears that paralyze faith and keep it from moving and, and working, it's already available in you, but there are things that hinder faith, trust, to, to, to be effectual in our lives, and that is the fear of risk, which is the fear of failure or loss, like we're, we, we live in a, you know, it's common with that we fear failure so much that we don't ever step out, right? And we fear the, uh, the unknown. And I shared um, some of my caving experiences. And uh, in one of these caves, there's, uh, y'all might remember this, there's a, there's a crawl that we called the worm tube. And there was a, a section of the cave that you had to, and it was the first time I went caving, and it's this little crawl that you would have to get on your, on your stomach and get on your hands and knees and army crawl through. And your initial thought, if you've never been like mine was, was like, I'm not going through that. Like, I'm not going through this muddy tube-looking thing um, to go any further. But what was to my amazement is when I gained the courage to actually go through this and continue on, was that there was a large room, the largest room in the cave was beyond that, beyond that crawl. And sometimes the thing that we're so afraid of going into leads to the biggest opportunities in our life. And... You know, the thing about being afraid of the unknown is you cannot be, you can't be a good caver or a good explorer if you fear the unknown. Does that make sense? Is that too simple? That when we fear the unknown, we'll never explore what's around the corner. 
And our faith journey in God is an adventure that we are meant to, to walk in and partake of. And too much of the time we let fear keep us from living the life that God has laid out before us, from unfolding the story that God has placed on the inside of us. Because you know, each one of us, God has, has a destiny, that God has a purpose, that God has a design for each one of our lives, and it flows out of faith working with grace. And so we can't fear the unknown. We can't fear what's around the corner by by God being with us and residing on the inside of us, we, don't have to, we can have courage to step into the areas that we don't have the facts, that we don't know what lies ahead. That's the fear of the unknown, not having the facts. Like we don't have to have every fact. We don't have to have Google, as I said last week, is not our Holy Spirit. <laughs> Google is not our Holy Spirit. Our Holy Spirit is a person. It's the person of Jesus. So I said, your adventure, this is just review, begins with the risk to love. And when I say the risk to love, we're not just talking about any kind of love. We're talking about God's agape love, the unconditional kind of love, the love that doesn't, is not afraid to, to, to sit with those who are outcast. The love that will step out on a limb for the good of another. It's a love that takes risk. It's God's kind of love. And it's the risk to love and the courage to step into the unknown. If you know the story of Joshua taking over um, the seed of Moses, he had to have a lot of courage to step into what he was stepping into because he was being called to step into the promised land. And the promised land was full of giants and full of adversity. But God said, take courage and be strong and do not fear. And that is our, that is what God has called us. The same journey, the same adventure is to walk into everything that God has provided. And if you know about the promised land, uh, it had everything that the children of Israel needed. Homes and, and shelter and gardens and a land that's defined as flowing with milk and honey. But there were giants in the land. But God has called us to live in that kind of adventure, to step into that kind of courage in our life. And faith is a big part of that. But faith without grace will not... It, it, it won't work. It won't be effectual in our life. And so I kind of concluded last week, um, so this statement, faith to move mountains. And so we can have the faith to move mountains, and we can have the faith to speak in angelic tongues, and we can have the faith to even lay our lives down at the for being a martyr, for for, this, for following Jesus, we can do all those things, but without love, it profits nothing. The Apostle Paul concluded 1 Corinthians 13 by saying, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
And so it's always about love. And so when I talk about faith, we have to talk about love. Like we can't just talk about faith without talking about love. And so today I want to talk about intimacy, the foundation to faith. Or the title of this message could be Conceiving Faith. Conceiving Faith. And I don't mean like a faith that you don't have. I'm talking about a type of faith that is um, birthed or conceived in your life when you have intimate relationship with Jesus and a relationship that is, that, that's real, that, that communicates. You know, the thing about relationship, like this is, intimacy with God is, is what I, it's just Christianity 101. Like it's like the fundamentals, it's the basics of, of Christianity, and a relationship has to have communication within it, right? Like if my wife and I just decided we weren't going to talk to each other anymore, <laughs> it wouldn't be much of a relationship. I know it's, it's like so simple, but it's, it's so profound. That relationship involves communication. Like, we go about our lives sometimes listening, doing Christian things, right? And we forget to involve God in the whole process, involve the Spirit of God. We listen to worship music or listen to messages, and we never, we never say, hey, Jesus, how you doing? What's going on? How, you know? Amen. It's a relationship. I mean, you know, it's not like this, ultra spiritual thing that we have to like have to weirdly kind of mysticize our way into it's a relationship it's just simply as saying good morning like i love you you're awesome and just having this relationship intimacy is christianity 101 and so uh we're talking about just the fundamentals you know it's the foundation it's what our faith our life are, it's, it's what it's built upon. It's intimacy and relationship with God. You know, the best teams in sports are the ones that know what and practice a lot. It's the fundamentals. Like, without the basics and the fundamentals, we're never going to walk in the victory in the life that God has for us. And so this scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, for no other foundation, Paul was, Apostle Paul was saying this, can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation that we have for our life, it has to be built upon Jesus Christ. See, the Jews and the Gentiles, you know, there were, there were different groups that were making it other than about Jesus. Making it about uh they were trying to get Gentiles to follow the laws of the Jews. And, and, and there was this whole different splits and groups and people saying, well, I'm, I'm baptized by Apollos and I'm baptized by Paul. And Paul's saying, you're missing the whole picture. It's not about who baptized you. It's about Jesus Christ, him being your foundation. It's not about a man. It's not, it's not, it's not about a teacher. It's about Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And it continues to go on if you read those continuing verses that if your foundation's built on anything different, then it, it will fail you. But Bruce Lee had this to say. Y'all like Bruce Lee quotes? I do. I think that's kind of cool. Bruce Lee. He said this. He said, um, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Made me think of this, like my translation. It's like, the devil doesn't fear the man who has memorized thousands and thousands of scriptures. The devil fears the man who has believed one scripture. Because when your life is built on one fundamental, one truth, one love, you will never be divided. You know, Bruce Lee had this thing called the, has anybody ever heard of the one-inch punch? Yeah. They're like crazy, watch these videos. Bruce Lee could punch a guy like one, in, like one inch away, and it had such force and power. Like, and this wasn't like a trick or something. The guy would fly back like 15 or 20 feet from a little pa pow. <laughs> Bruce Lee understood something. That if you practice one punch 10,000 times, it has explosive dynamite power. And I translate that to say that if we can practice the one inch punch of God's love being the foundation of our lives, it'll have explosive and dynamite power in our lives. And I had this, so, you know, it's, it makes me also think of people that they chase, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to conferences and, and going to, and listening, I, listening to this teaching or this teaching. Like, I listen to a lot of different teachers, but the problem becomes when we try to make our, we try to uh, identify our revelation with someone else's revelation, if it's not a revelation that we have, that we haven't taken ownership of, we're practicing the 10,000 different kinds of kicks. But when we make it our revelation, our truth, our ownership, like, it has power, power in our lives. And I had this statement. So we're talking about intimacy, right? Our identity the way we view ourselves is made of things that we have become intimate with at a heart level. Like that is, man, that just... The things that make up the way of how we view not only ourselves, really, but it's the way that we view others, the way that we view God, the way that we view the world is things that we have become intimate with. And I mean intimate with, I mean, it's things that you, there's a closeness, there's a nearness. I mean, for me, for anything to be intimate with, my heart has to be involved at some point, right? And there are different things that we can do where we're not intimate, 
but there are things that we can, our heart is charged with either life or death. And so our identity is shaped by the things that we have become intimate with at a heart level. And so you may be asking, what do I mean by that? Here's just one example. Intimate with our past instead of being intimate with our new future. As long as we are intimate with our past, we're not being intimate with his future. See, when we're intimate with his past, we'll be intimate with his future. But as long as we're intimate with what has happened to us in the past and it's things that we go back to, you know, things that you've been intimate with, there is a driving force of memory that, that goes through your heart and goes through your mind because you have been intimate with that thing. And so one of the biggest hindrances is to become so intimate with our past that we never live in our future. That we let our past determine who we are today. Or we let even, when I mean past, you could let what happened yesterday determine who you are today. But with this intimate relationship, I used to say this all the time, that today can be the happiest day of your life. And I used to say, today is the happiest day of my life because today I know him today better than I knew him yesterday. Amen. It's a relationship. Like it's meant to grow. It's meant to flourish. It's like a garden. Your heart is a garden. And if you don't water it with truth, you don't water it with love. I'm telling you, I said I was going to smile because when I get passionate about this because it's burning on my heart, sometimes I forget to smile. And so if you see me not smiling, I'm just really passionate about this and I love you guys. But we have to have this garden in our heart watered with love. And the only way it can be watered with love is through intimacy. The only way that it can be watered and flourishing and be a beautiful garden is for the love of God that never fails, never disappoints to be a reality and a truth in our lives. I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. There are things in my past I have let determine who I am today. But I know this truth that as I behold him and as I look at Jesus and he becomes more clear and as I, my relationship with him becomes more real and it becomes, it becomes so amazing and, and thrilling and it becomes an adventure with him that my heart is, is transformed and I'm able, I'm able to have this, this confidence in who he is and so it made me think of being intimate with our past instead of being intimate with our new future made me think of these verses out of Romans 6. And I, um, I pulled this out of the Passion Translation because I just love 
how poetic the Passion Translation is. So, I mean, if you're fearful of this not saying the right thing or being taken out of context, just go read it in a different translation. Um, but it starts in verse, um, in verse 3. It says, Have you forgotten that all of us who are immersed into union with Jesus, the Anointed One, were immersed into union with His death? When He was immersed in His death, we, Clint talked about it a few weeks ago, that when He went through hell, when He went to the grave, we went, our old man, our old person, the old us went with him, right? In verse 4, sharing in his death by our baptism, baptism just means immersion, means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him, talking about Jesus, so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. When you walk with him, when you share in the union of the baptism of his death and in his resurrection, and you and you and being co-buried and being co-resurrected in your life becomes a reality in your heart, you're going to experience a freshness and a newness of life. Because it, it just has to happen. Like it doesn't have a choice. For since, verse 5, since we are permanently, say permanently, grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. See, when we're grafted into him, <laughs> we're grafted when, when he was on the cross and, and, and he was, his arms and his hands were stretched out and he was nailed to the cross you know, our shame was nailed on the cross with him. The shame of our past, the shame of our failures, condemnation was put on Jesus on the cross. That there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The condemnation has no place in the gospel. That condemnation has no place in the midst of love. In the midst of his love is unfailing. And it says in verse 6, it says, <laughs> I could picture Paul asking this. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever, <laughs> say forever, forever, deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified. I mean, Paul is like saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. He just wants you to get it. Could it be any clearer? That's what he means. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer 
submitted to sin's power. And the truth is that sin nature, that old man is dead, doesn't belong to you. It's not a part of your identity. If you said yes to Jesus, if you've made him Lord of your life, that he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, God the Father, he didn't condemn Jesus on the cross. He condemned sin. (laughs) He condemned sin. He didn't condemn Jesus. Jesus became sin. And it was condemned. And the wrath of God was poured out on sin, on his body, because he became it for us. There's such life there that if we can see what is holding us back, the fears, the, the struggles, the challenges of things, of all these false ideas about that we believe about our identity, if we can surrender and we can place those on Jesus and experience that co-being buried with Him and experience that co-resurrection with Him, then there is life and life abundantly. (laughs) Jesus said in John 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life abundant and more abundantly. Abundant life is, is laid out before us. No, it is. It's just the truth. So I wanted to share a little, um, a little story with you guys. And the slide is ignoring identity warning indicators. Um, do y'all know that little, your dash, and you have where it shows how fast you're going, and you pay attention to it more times than others, and <laughs> sometimes why you get speeding tickets and things like that. Um, but sometimes there's lights that come on, on on the dash, right? And they can indicate you, like I have a broken sensor that I'm ignoring right now that says my tire pressure is low. But, uh, you know, why do they even put those things on there? Because uh, there's a purpose. <laughs> But we ignore things when we're driving, and you know, and I've been guilty of this. You know, check engine light comes on. Ah, it's just a check engine light. It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> but you better not ignore the check engine light, or your car <laughs> could like smoke start coming out, and you know, you're stranded on the side of the road. But there are all while we're driving, there are things that we ignore. And the question: Why do we ignore them? Why do we ignore the lights that are right in front of us trying to indicate us that there's a problem? You know, I mean, not to get like on a, like on a health thing, but, uh, you know, sometimes what's going on, a lot of times medicine is practiced to mask problems instead of getting to the root of them. And that's true spiritually, too, is that we can use religion and we can use different things to mask the true, the, true, the true problem, the true root. You know, we, we look in the symptoms and we look at the symptoms, but what might be happening has nothing to do with the symptoms. It's something else in your body that needs to be corrected. You might need this mineral or you might need this or you might just need to have some water, for goodness sake. 
And we ignore all the things sometimes, and we do that, I think, in life with identity. There's these identity warning indicators. And let me just tell you that God is full of love, truth, and mercy. And he's not screaming at you like a tyrant. He's, hey, yeah, you probably want to change that. <laughs> you know, you might want to do something about that. And so uh, I got permission to share this story for my wife, so we're good. <laughs> but on the night before we got married, we had a rehearsal dinner here. And um, on the way here, everybody's here, the food's ready, it's prepped, and everybody's, the family's all ready to, to eat because we're hungry. And uh, Heidi and her best friend Diane were nowhere to be seen. You can't have a rehearsal dinner without the bride, <laughs> can you? It doesn't probably go very well. So we're calling... Your phone is probably dead. I don't remember. Um, but we were trying to get a hold of you, and somehow we eventually got a hold of you. She's like, I'm on the side of the road, ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, so it was like an hour, an hour and a half, love you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so uh, me and Clint, we had to, thankfully, had a, I carry a gas can now, I think, because of that. <laughs> Clint had a gas can, and we filled up and, you know, got gas in her car. But here's the funny thing. You know, she didn't know that she was low on fuel. And you want to know the reason why? This is because she covered her dash with the promises of God. The moral of the story <laughs> is that you can have the promises of God right in front of you. And they can be all around you. But your tank's empty. <laughs> because the intimacy and relationship with God, although it's the most fundamental, foundational thing, it's the only thing that will fuel your life. Just like we talk faith to move mountains, but without love it profits nothing. What good is it if you, can, if you can raise somebody from the dead, or if you can do this, or you can do this, but you don't have love? True. That, is our, that is the motivation of Jesus. It's always a motivation of love. So much that when he sees a man who's littered with leprosy, and he looks like death, that Jesus would go and do the unthinkable that no person had ever done and touch the man, embrace him. That's the kind of love that we're talking about, is a love that's not afraid to take a risk and a love that's full of courage and a love that's full of confidence. See, we, I think one of the reasons that we if I'm being honest, personally, why I may ignore that check engine light, it's because I don't want to take personal responsibility. Or I don't want to spend the money. 
But we can't ignore those things. There's a world that needs the life and the light that is in us. There's a gospel that needs to be preached that God is good. There's a gospel that needs to be preached that Jesus is the full expression of who the Father looks like. You know, we have opportunities to minister the gospel all the time. I saw a man walking in the rain yesterday. I don't know, how cold was it yesterday? It was kind of, it was pretty cold. Wet and muddy. And I'm not saying you have to do this, but I felt prompted in my heart to pick him up. And I preached the gospel to him. And he still had, he had to go all the way up here past Andrew Bailey. And I picked him up over off of Reese Road. I mean, he still had a few hours to walk. But this man talking to him, he thought he had a perception that God had taken his father away from them. That's a, that's a lie. <laughs> and this idea that God is in control of everything it's so important that we understand that God's will is always life. He's always healing. Amen. That is fully expressed through the person of Jesus. And so I think going back to the, the, the indicator lights is we lack a spiritual awareness. We're, we're sometimes we're so busy or distracted by other things that we're not spiritually aware of what God is trying to speak to us in the moment. And that's the reason your heart has to be soft and sensitive is for the sake of being aware of the presence and what God is speaking. We have an intimacy sometimes with fear. We become closely connected with fear. Like for me personally, like that's one of the reasons like talking about fear is October and like horror movies and all that like me personally I don't mess with that and you know the reason why for me that is me being intimate with fear because I want my conf I want to have confidence and confidence comes through God's love and if I don't have God's love established in my life, then fear will have an authority and rule in my life. And so any door for fear, to, for an I mean, intimacy doesn't even mean I have to want it. But intimate, intimacy with fear can me just letting it, letting even the, the mental movie in our minds play out. Like we don't need to be intimate with fear things and movies in our, in our hearts and our minds that we let play out, we need to cast down those imaginations, cast down those arguments into the obedience of Christ. I have this statement, every conception comes from a form of intimacy. Nothing is conceived in our lives that we haven't been closely intimate with. 
the good news is we can become intimate with the love of God at a, at a moment. You know that God is right here, right now. God is closer than the air that we breathe. And we can be intimate with his truth, his life, through his word, and the conception can always be life. I'm going to share this word, and a lot of, I think, pretty much a majority of people go somewhere in their, in their minds when they hear this word, but it's the word intercourse. The word simply just means an exchange. <laughs> you do know that, right? It just means an exchange of thoughts or feelings. You know what another word for intercourse is? communion. And so the intimacy of holy communion, it's the intimacy of discerning the Lord's body and the blood that was shed for us. That's what communion is for. It's Jesus presented as an invitation to be in remembrance of me, that your sins of your past, present, and future are forgiven by his blood. We, walked as, we walk as the forgiven with a clear conscience and we can walk in a newness of life because of what Jesus has done. And so I have, this is what I'm ending on, the communion challenge. So you don't have to have fancy communion cups and you don't have to have fancy bread to be in remembrance of what he's done. Like Isaiah 53 is a good place for you to discern the Lord's body and discern the new covenant that was shed or his blood that was shed for the new covenant. You know, me and my wife, we even practiced this the other day. We were at Waffle House and uh, Raisin Toast became communion bread. <laughs> we broke the bread, didn't we? And we said, Lord, I just thank you. We just thank you for laying your life down. Thank you for your great love for us. God, we just thank you that there's life in your body. We just thank you that we were co-buried with you, that we've been co-raised in your resurrection life, God. And Lord, we take this coffee, this holy communion blood, God, and we just thank you that this blood established a new covenant where the veil was torn away. God, that anything that was keeping us from being in your presence was completely gone, demolished, disintegrated. That we have entrance into the very presence of God. How beautiful and amazing is that? that we can walk into his presence at any moment. We don't have to be a special high priest who goes in there one time a year, but we can go into the Holy of Holies at any moment because his spirit resides on the inside of us. You know, when the apostles were being persecuted, they said, we know they've been with Jesus. <laughs> 
Let people know that we have been with him through our relationship and the intimacy that we have with him. And so my challenge for you this week, don't wait till you have fancy communion cups and fancy communion drink to take remembrance of him. But find any opportunity. You know, the, I think it was the president of Voice of the Martyrs. We watched a movie on him. He was tortured for 17 years. And he would take the little bread or the water that he had, and him and the prisoners, they would take communion every day. I just challenge you, whatever, whatever it is, Use communion as a tool. Use the elements that are before you to remember him in your life. Morning, afternoon, at night, whenever. And last, intimacy enlarges your heart. When we're intimate with him, Our hearts are enlarged to believe that all things really are possible. Despite anything, intimacy enlarges your heart. So, Father, thank you, Jesus. God, we just look at you. We just take remembrance of you right now. In our hearts, we just discern your body. God, we just desire to walk in intimacy with you, to walk in relationship with you, that you see us as your sons and daughters, and you just invite us. It's not something that we have to do. It's not an obligation. (laughs) It's an invitation. It's an invitation to drink of you, of the water that you provide, of the life that you provide. And it satisfies. It satisfies. Jesus, we look at you. We remember you. Just right now in this moment, look at him. Look at Jesus. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. I want a relationship with you. I want to draw close to you. I want to remove anything that's hindering me and experience the fullness of your life. I yield my heart. I surrender to you because you love me and you gave yourself for me. In Jesus' name, amen.